Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. Before we jump into today's conversation, please take a minute to subscribe to and or follow our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast at. And if you enjoy the conversation, if you enjoy our content, please leave us a five-star review as we are trying to grow and get our message out to as many audience members as we can. In today's episode, we are breaking down the brand new NIL rules that exist now in the NCAA. NIL stands for Name, Image, and Likeness and allows college-level athletes to now profit off of their name, image, and likeness. In order to have an in-depth conversation, we have special guest Jared Moses, who is the founder, CEO, and president at the United Entertainment Group. UEG is a global award-winning entertainment, sports, and lifestyle agency that creates breakthrough marketing with the people, places, and properties that shape culture. Jared's going to take a deep dive with us on what the NIL means for college athletics and what it means for college athletes. We hope you enjoy. Awesome. So let's jump right into this conversation Today, we are back here on the Youth Hoops Pod, and today we're talking a little NIL, name, image, likeness, this new uh, acronym that has jumped up in in the sports world. It's been around, but has now been pushed to the forefront as it has been uh, enacted, put into use. Uh, Players can now profit off of their name, image, and likeness. So we're going to break that down today, and we do have a guest joining the pod today, Jared Moses is calling in from New York. Jared, uh, we're really happy to have you on the pod today. This is a bit of a different conversation for us. It's it is athletics and basketball related, but little going to get into a little more of the advertising and the the other side of the game. So, welcome onto the pod. We're really pumped to have you here. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So, Jared, you know, to be frank with the audience, I met you uh, four minutes ago, right? We, we don't know each other. I have done some research, you know, looking into your background and and and, and what you've done and, and your journey uh, and, you know, have just read all about you working with different celebrities and and, and major different music groups being involved in, in Grammys and Emmys. Uh, I believe I read those both. Uh, but you are on the advertising side, helping celebrities, athletes, people, you know, push their personal brand and, and what that entails. So uh, I'm very interested to know if you could give just a, you know, quick two, three minute background. I know that's not a lot of time to probably explain everything, but just of your journey in that industry uh, and will kind of guide us into talking about the NIL. Yeah, happy to. Um, <clears throat> thanks again for having me on. My, my background is I, I am in the business of creating partnerships between athletes and celebrities and brands. I've been doing this for over 25 years, um, and I cut my teeth in the advertising business and saw that it was an incredible opportunity to not only create endorsement deals between between professional athletes and professional actors and musicians and social media stars, but also to develop platforms between the two as well. So not only tying that, call it first or second hit between a brand and a athlete, but also tying a longer term relationship between the two. It's become an incredible business for the agency, but also for both sides of the deal, for the athletes and celebrities, as well as for the brands. Consumers tend to buy higher. Um, Their purchase behavior is a lot more active when they can identify a brand with a celebrity or an athlete. It's it's been proven. There's a lot of scientific Mm -hmm. research, and there's a lot of statistics that show that over 50% likelihood of purchase behavior when you tie your brand with some kind of personality. Because of that, the game of doing deals between athletes and brands have become more and more robust over the past five or 10 years. And certainly as the proliferation of social media has become more and more popular and utilized by consumers, 
the need to have more of an association and identification with a brand and a personality has become uber important. You have to just break through the clutter, right? And in order to break through the clutter, you need somebody to help you do that. And so the business has become really, really important, really relevant uh, for brands. And because of that, the pool of opportunity for actors and athletes has has become higher and higher every year um, to the point, frankly, uh, that that pool has become somewhat limited and saturated. You know, if you think about some of your A-list athletes today, professional athletes, they have between five and 10 different brand deals going on at the same time. So it's very hard, one, to break through the clutter in a an environment where social media is is very proliferated. But at the same time, when an athlete has five or 10 different deals happening at the same time, it's very hard to even understand which brand are they talking about today. And so what's happened, frankly, Christian, it's opened up the world to professional and amateur athletes now to jump into that into that pool of opportunity. And and so you're saying you're kind of the mediator there helping connect the brand to the athlete. And then are you working with the athlete celebrity for you know, uh, what this means when they should be talking about what, like, what, what is your step to, by step in that process? Yeah, that's exactly right. We, we work within the deal. So what we do is we create the strategy uh, and the creative behind the campaign to start. So the process yeah. is when you sit with any brand and you start to speak with them about why do you want to get into this space? What are you looking to accomplish? What are you, what we call KPIs? What are the key performance indicators of yep. success and doing a deal in this space. Let's lay that all out and let's figure out what the strategy is first before we even talk about, you know, who the person could be that might be right for that brand. And then we talk about what's the creative activation. So you start with strategy, then you start with the creative idea, then you come into the creative idea. And once you set that up, then you start to think about, okay, who's the right person to put in this deal that could bring it to life. And so that's what my agency does is we first create the strategy and the creative we determine who the right personality is. And then, yes, we go and we we seek out the right personalities to put inside those deals. And we have a very large department on a global basis that on a daily basis is working with personalities, celebrities, athletes to determine what is the right deal to put them in. And then we package it together and then we implement it and we execute the entire thing soup to nuts. And then on the back end, we track in a real-time basis how this is performing. How's it performing for the brand? How's it performing for the athlete? Are we getting the right KPIs that we set forth in the beginning? Do we reinvest? Do we cut back, et cetera? So to tie this together with the NIL, let's use uh, Zion Williamson, for example, Ooh, a player that could have really taken advantage of the NIL. Uh, he wants to get connected to brands. Let's say he was playing college today. He finds your agency. You say, hey, we have X brand that wants to do an ad on a sports drink, you would be perfect. Boom, connected. That's that's how we're connecting this to the talk today, correct? That's correct. It's exactly right. So have you and your agency struck any deals uh, from an NIL perspective with any college athletes? Yeah, we are. You know, I'm, I'm not at liberty to say because we have uh, a lot of NDAs between the athletes and the brands, but we have yep. over the past eight months, and I knew we were going to get on the uh, call today. Uh, I looked, we did about 32 deals already nice, in the okay. past six months. Um, in the space. And they've ranged from your blue chip uh, companies that are quite large and global. Um, yep. And the range of those deals are between $500,000 and $750,000 a year, wow. all the way down to your very local deals, your, your local franchise restaurant deals, your local car dealership deals. And those yeah. are between $10,000 $20,000. 
Um, so we have done a bunch. Um, and, and looking at the industry, uh, we're, we're tracking now, there's probably between 150 and 250 deals that have been happening over the last six months. Uh, and the market is somewhere in the range of 20 to $30 million in spend. So it's quite small still. Um, but there's also a lot of back end tied to these deals. So we're, we have yet to see how they've performed. When I say back end, meaning that a lot of these athletes are incentivized based upon performance. Yeah. And so we'll mm-hmm. see how it tracks over the next few months. Mm, very interesting. So uh, this podcast is going very well because that was going to be my first question was kind of some early data points and, and you already uh, struck on them. So to, to clarify, you said two to 300 deals have been struck. Is that like across all division one or all collegiate sports? Is that kind of the rough number two to 300? Rough over collegiate sports in general, roughly to 200 to 300. They're actually trackable there. You know, there could be Christian, the, the person down, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, that has a local restaurant and go makes a deal that we don't, that's not really on the radar. Um, yeah. But for, for the for, for the marketplace or the exchange, as we call it, when we're looking at all the athletes that are out there, we'll talk more about who are the relevant athletes and who are not. Um, the ones that we're tracking, the ones we're seeing, yes, it's roughly in that number, in that neighborhood. Very interesting. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Again, uh, I told you right before, and I'll tell the audience, I don't know deeply much about the NIL. I know of it. I know what happened. I know players could make money off their image and likeness, but I didn't know much. And I honestly thought that number would be a lot higher. Uh, I thought yeah. like, for some reason, a lot more. I thought you were going to say a few thousand uh, athletes had taken advantage of this. So maybe there's something to dive into there. But you just talked about players who are relevant and who are not. Let's let's take a deeper dive down that, which you were just explaining. Yeah, I, I you know, I think uh, I think there probably are hundreds of athletes that are making deals that we don't know about. Um, okay. And it's because they're doing, you know, they're literally walking down the street or somebody's coming to a game and they're saying, hey, you want to you know, make a few thousand dollars and show up tomorrow yep. for a grand opening of XYZ. But, you know, those aren't deals that we're tracking. We're tracking more campaign deals uh, that are okay. larger in value, but also larger in scale. Um, and so what we look at is, and, and I think that the NIL has been good um, for the sport. It's finally an opportunity for athletes to make um, money for, uh, for something that colleges have been making money on them for many years in the past. So Agreed. I think it's time that it's happened. Um, I think there's a lot of construction and regulation that has to be put in place over the next few years to make it a little bit more easy to understand, easy to navigate and get more professionals in the mix, to be honest, um, that can guide these athletes the right way. So they're doing the right deals at the right time and not rushing. And we'll talk more about what that means. Um, Because as you know, as you and I kind of briefed each other, there are positives and negatives to this. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of selfishness that goes into these deals, both on the, on the athlete side and on the brand side. So we'll talk about that. Um, and to make sure that it doesn't lead down that that road of of um, of selfish behavior on both sides, but yeah, you know the numbers are smaller than we than we thought as well. But it's also because you know is is an athlete really going to pull enough attention for a brand that's going to make a meaningful difference? Yeah. And am I going to spend ten twenty thousand dollars on tying an athlete, or am I going to spend ten or twenty thousand doing traditional media and radio, local PR to draw more people into my store? to sell more product. And I think what we're finding is that it's about a 50-50 mix right now. Um, when you have the initial signing of the athlete, you, you get a lot of fanfare, but then that starts to die out. And it starts to die out because it really has to be enveloped by social media and strategy and creative, like we talked about earlier, to really create some legs to a campaign. And when you're doing it just to create that fanfare and initial fireworks, you don't have enough sustainability on these campaigns to make a meaningful difference for these companies. 
And I think that's why you're seeing that it's not thousands and thousands of meaningful deals. I think that's why you're seeing a couple of hundred that are maybe half are meaningful and that are actually going to be returned, reinvested and re-upped in the coming years. That makes a lot of sense. Even as you're talking, I'm thinking saying thousands was a bit um, ambitious, but it's it's very interesting to think about now how these athletes are going to be looking to, to leverage themselves. But I think what, what stood out to me is you talked about how important uh, social media is today. And, and the word that kept hitting my brain was influencer. <laughs> we live in the age of right. the influencer. And uh, even in my company, we are constantly talking about who are other people with followings that we can get to mention our name. You know what I mean? And, and so I just like how you p- point out that it's more than just being a good athlete, you know, like there are some great players out there who may not necessarily also have that social following or that personality or that influencer that would be attention grabbing enough to a really large company. And and that's why it's not thousands upon thousands, right? Because it's got to be a, a very uh, smooth combination of both the influencer reach and the performance within the sport, correct? It's exactly right. You know, and <clears throat> a lot of these athletes are meaningful to the local communities. They're not really meaningful yep. to a national audience. Yep. And, um, and very, very few and far between are, you know, you had, you know, Zion, I think was definitely an anomaly. Yes. You know, he was a, right. He was an all-star uh, and, a, and a household name before he went into the pros. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think, honestly, I don't think anyone's really been um, at that level since, Agreed. you know, Bryce Young, maybe, but that hasn't even proved out yet. Uh, Derek King. No. Uh, and, and so I think that there's a lot of athletes that strive to, to, heat, to meet that echelon, that level of attention, but we're not getting it. And, um, and, and so what that means, though, is that means that you could really make some meaningful deals on a local basis with these athletes that can build your business. But if you're a national company and you want a, a state farm and you want to do a major deal, you're not going to sign these, these college athletes you're going to sign national professional athletes. You're going to spend the millions of dollars because you need to sign millions of customers. And you're not going to do that with a local athlete. I'm pretty sure State Farm had Drake in uh, one of the recent commercials. So, yeah, we're, yes. we're talking different levels of uh, influence right. here. Um, so, no, yeah, very, very insightful there. Um, but. I think it's clear to say social media is not going anywhere, whether you like it or not, it's getting bigger. It's going to, whatever the next platform is, the internet, the, the digital world is booming. Uh, these younger kids are starting to have more followers at a much younger age than they ever have. Zion, I, I would maybe argue was on the really early wave of that. He was one of those kids in high school who we already knew about, who already had millions of followers. Now there's Mikey Williams and other guys like that uh, really popping up everywhere. So I think you would agree the market cap of the industry has to, for 10 years from now, has to be high. I mean, there's no way these athletes, they will over the next five, 10 years, I think, be more nationally marketable because when they're seventh graders and they're dunking on someone, millions of people have already known about them, right? That's totally right. And, you know, it's funny, though, there's a psychology there, too, as well. So you're like a Mikey Williams, who I do think is, you know, is becoming more and more a household name to that 12 to 17 year old boy. Um, the question then becomes, will that 12 to 17 year old boy buy a product that Mikey is You're talking right. about? Mm. Right. And that's a psychology because sometimes that boy becomes a bit um, cynical uh, in saying, well, okay, this guy, Mikey Williams, he's great. I love watching his videos on YouTube, but you know what? I'm going to be better than him and I'm not going to buy what he tells me to buy. I'm going to buy what, you know, um, Shaquille O'Neal tells me what to buy or what Curry tells me what to buy or, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, re- a relevant player who's much more aspirational. 
because it's like, would you buy a product that your friend is getting paid to endorse? And it's a psychology there. Some is absolutely yes. It's aspirational. And the other side is like, no, I'm not going to buy into it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the antithesis to that. And so, there, you know, kids um, like to be contrarian. And so they don't necessarily want to take their cues from somebody who's their peer. They want to take cues from somebody who they're Man. more aspirational towards looking up towards, right? So it's a very interesting psychology. Um, so we'll see where that goes. There's definitely relevance. But if Mikey Williams' agent starts to ask for millions of dollars and you're a brand, you're going to put your money in a proven athlete that's professional. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I feel like I'm getting a uh, marketing lesson right here. I, I do uh, some market, some marketing work within our company. And just, I love how, how you instantly can see, well, okay, Mikey may have a big following, but yeah, is he going to buy, or, or is a 12 year old going to buy state farm insurance products? No. Like, so it's, yeah, that's uh, amazing that you put that there and, and you're a professor, correct? At uh, Columbia yeah. university, right? You, so you, you teach marketing. It, it almost, you were giving me a little lecture right there. And I, I enjoyed it. I was, I, I really genuinely got something from that. So that's very intriguing on these players being younger. And yeah, do you aspire to that when you see LeBron working out on a, on a, on a, what's the, the, whatever the strength uh, thing he's been endorsing and you see his body and you know, the championships, you're like, Oh, it's gonna make me LeBron. But yeah, if Mikey does that, I'm like the kid's younger than me. Like I'm going to, I want to do what LeBron's doing. That is a very interesting uh, perspective to take on it. I, I kind of want to slightly switch the conversation though. Um, people have been striking these NIL deals. You said they have been happening. I just want to know from your perspective, what are some, if, if you do have the liberties to talk, it doesn't even have to be within your agency, but what are like some of the most creative ones you have seen or, or ones you've seen that have worked really well here early in the early ages or days of this industry? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting. So there, you know, I, I, I still am yearning for that breakthrough creative idea coming from the NIL uh, to be honest. You know, I think hopefully it comes from been, this podcast. Hopefully you leave. Yeah, that's, inspired. So. <laughs> that's right. Let's let that be the challenge to our listeners. Um, yes, yes. I do think there's been relevant ones, you know, like going back to King with Miami, you know, he signed with a local, you know, a local hauling company, right? Like a, like a, a got junk type of company to, and to, to, mm -hmm. to haul your local junk or to yep. ship your local, you know, college goods down to your dorm room. I love it. It's a relevant endorsement. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think that's where it starts to work. You know, when you look at these athletes at like Rattler and they're doing local restaurant deals, local, you, you know, you hauling deals, things that are relevant for college kids as they live their daily life in college and for the parents to see that makes a lot of sense. So yep. would I call that creative, probably not. I call it strategic um, and I would call it smart. I still yearn for that breakthrough creative idea. You know, I did see one that was actually pretty good and, and, and creative and fun. Um, and it was with uh, it was with Bayheim's kid, Buddy Buckets was, you know, at Syracuse. Yep. Buddy Buckets. Uh, did a local, right, did, right, did a local endorsement deal for a, uh, a cereal company um, called Three Wishes. And it was about, you know, him making buckets, um, but also kind of equating the bowl of cereal to a bucket uh, of hoops. And it was it was a fun, interesting, creative take um on healthy healthy eating being healthy in sports a local deal that you could tell he probably didn't get paid much for but he's a fan of the brand uh and i thought it was really fun and interesting and i do believe that might have been aspirational to the consumer to a kid that's eating a bunch of sugar cereal whose parents are saying hey eat some healthier cereal and look buddy Beheim is doing it that could work 
because yep. it's not so in your face. It's not about wearing gear. It's not about looking a certain way. It's about nutrition. And I thought that was an actually pretty an interesting campaign that ran on social media. Uh, and I think probably did work a bit. Um, and yep. I found it quite entertaining. So there are ways to do it. Uh, and I think it probably works more if I were, were to advise um, what brands would work well in this space. I think nutrition works well in this space because 12 to 17 year olds need to be convinced that you need to eat well to perform well. Um, so I think that's one space. I, so and that, that's everything from food to vitamins to, uh, to beverage. Um, I also think travel could be interesting um, mm. where, you know, where now we're in a, in a, in a situation where travel is challenging. Uh, you and I were talking before the show about, you know, coming to New York or going to different places. It's scary to travel now for families. So if local athletes were talking about, hey, you know, when you come and visit Salt Lake City or when you come and visit New York or when you come and visit Miami, here's I go to college here, but here are the great places to go as a teenager. Yeah, that could be yeah. really interesting and impactful. So I think that could be an interesting take for travel industry to embrace these athletes, because if the kid tells the parent, hey, I want to go take a trip to Miami and see these cool places that a player from the University of Miami told me to go to, that's a really interesting sell. And so I think that could really help a lot as well. I think that could be a creative breakthrough. Yeah, no, I really like that. Again, very evident why you're successful at what you do. You're just I, I, things I don't think about on a daily basis. You're um, you're you're so right about. It's very interesting. I love Buddy Buckets. Um, I'm a, I am like a a, a very low Syracuse fan. I'm not going to claim anything because <laughs> I have not been committed enough, but I've always loved the Orange uh, and and love Buddy Buckets. Love watching him. So that's awesome. I haven't seen that, but that sounds that's like great. it would work very well. Um, as you're saying that I, I can picture it. So that's, that's really cool. But I think one of the major questions is we've analyzed this a little bit. We've talked some data. We've talked about what people are doing, um, the scale of what it could be. I, this is, I guess, a little more opinionated, but I want to know your thoughts and, and I'll, I'll pop mine off as well. And maybe it's a two-sided question. Maybe there's not one answer. Maybe we talk about both sides, but is, is this good or bad for college athletics? Is this good or bad? And uh, let's just jump into it. Either you have an answer or we'll kind of talk about there's goods and bads, which it's not fully one way or the other, I would assume. Yeah. You know, it's a great question. And it's one that we debate about every day. Is it good or bad? In the long run, I actually think it could be bad. Okay. Um, and, and I think it's the fault of the universities and the NCAA. And it's bad because they have not figured out a way to incentivize and compensate their students for playing on these teams in which the universities are making a boatload of money on their names. And there, there have been times when we've been quite vocal to say that they should think about creating some kind of saving plan, 401k plan, deferred compensation plan, that they actually create a savings for these students that once they graduate, they receive because of their dedication to their teams. And there's ways to do it. And there's a favored nation's way to do it where everybody's being compensated the same way. And if you think about setting up funds on a university level that are based upon the income that's coming to the team and a certain percentage of those funds are put aside to share with the student in a forced savings account that they get that matures when they're 21, I think that would be a great way to incentivize a student and a responsible Agreed. way to do it. The problem now that we have is that we've unleashed an industry of people that aren't the most upfront and honest people to serve the needs of, of, of athletes. There's nobody regulating who can do these deals. 
Anybody can do these deals. And so if you think you've had a problem before when you had people coming out of the woodwork, manipulating uh, uh, high school kids and trying to force them to go to certain colleges or take certain endorsement deals from brands, Ooh, you're so that's right. going to be increased a hundredfold now. Mm. And when you have social media, that's all about the more followers you have, the more you can monetize it. What's going to start to happen to me, Chris, is you're going to have kids that are more concerned about boosting their social media numbers and boosting their statistics on their team than serving the needs of their team and performing for their team and winning rings for their team and winning championships for their team. More importantly, they're looking to win things for themselves. They get more social media followers so they can monetize it higher so they can make more money. And that's a big problem. Less than 1% of kids that go to college play professionally. So how can I make as much money now coming out of high school? And trust me, it's going to go into high school and even middle school now, not just college, in, in making money for your performance. So I think we've opened up a bit of a can of worms. And I'm nervous as to see how this affects behavior of athletes from eighth grade all the way through college. But so interesting. One of the things that jumped off to me right there is you were talking about how it's not regulated. And just when you were talking earlier about how, you know, this guy could go sign a really small local deal and we don't really know about it. I kind of was thinking in my head, like, I don't know. I just kind of was thinking, why wouldn't you know about it? Like, I kind of didn't think that these like kind of not under the rug, they might be official deals, but yeah, they could just happen. I don't know. It kind of ringed in my head that any deal could happen anywhere for any little bit of money. Um, and it's hard to keep track of all the specifics. So yeah, who knows what, kind of dirty uh, or, 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 you know, deals that shouldn't happen before kids get there and then trying to bend the rules even further now. I, gosh, I didn't even think that. Let me play devil's advocate and then we can mm -hmm. still dive deeper because my initial thought, again, obviously you're thinking on a much deeper level. That is the way to actually be thinking about this. But as just a general sports fan who didn't know much about NIL, my thought was, oh, this is actually good because maybe in the short term, it will allow players who are really good to maybe not say, let's take college basketball, for example. Oh, I have to go to Duke to get my face big enough to make money. Certainly Duke's platform helps, but I just kind of thought like, oh, they could go to a somewhat smaller school, really, you know, play super well and make their own money and, and not have to rely on the bigger schools to help them get somewhere. They kind of could pave their own journey if they're really balling and really hooping. What, what are your thoughts there? Do you kind of get where I'm coming from? And maybe the short term I, I, where it would allow people to spread out a little more, more equality across schools. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's very true. Um, I just think you're dealing with a very, very small audience right there. Right. So the, the kids that have the choice of going to a Duke or a smaller school, you can count on your left hand. Right. So you're right. You're right. And, and so, and so the, for those kids, yeah, absolutely, that makes sense. But arguably, those kids are probably going to go pro anyhow. And it, the Good problem point. is that right, the tens of thousands of kids that aren't going to make um, money, uh, meaningful money. Um, I think that's the that to me is the generation that we need to serve. And I think that's the responsibility of the NCA and these colleges to take the kids. See, I'm thinking about the kid that can't afford college. And the kid that can't even afford a ride to college, how do we get them? How do we put money in their hands? And they're not going to get a deal from um, from a meaningful deal from uh, a brand. And they, sure, they can get a deal from a local restaurant or they can get a job from a local restaurant, a local car dealership. And I think that's great. But I would much rather see a responsible way to learn about economics and learn about how to finance and learn how to save money by the school taking more responsibility to set up these savings accounts and have the kid be able to track them 
on it. Like they were able to track a 401k or an RAA with some kind of app and see that their school is actually setting them up for success Yeah. so that when they graduate and they're not going to play professional, that they have a little bit of a nest egg, they've learned about finance, and now they can go into the, an industry that they have already learned or they've been, they've been primed to understand how to save and how to do deals in a meaningful way. I think that's the responsibility of an education versus the handful of kids that are, are, are going to be able to monetize their talents. Excellent point. Uh, I'm glad you're working in the industry you're working in because I, uh, I love the way you're viewing it and you're, you're enlightening it for me. You're right. Like I guess I'm only thinking of the Dukes, Kansases, Kentuckys of the world. Uh, and that is such a small uh, percentage of, of what you're working with. Very interesting. I think ultimately, though, you said it right there. These kids can make a profit off of their skill and we want them to be able to. Right. So let's kind of take the last little bit of our conversation here. And I just kind of want to toss it to you for if there are, uh, you know, kids out there listening, uh, young players who maybe do have any somewhat chance to make any sort of deal. What kind of advice do you offer out there to, to young players who are maybe beginning to enter this space, whether they are a Zion, if there is a Zion out there listening, how you doing? If you got all those millions, shout sure. out our podcast. But but most likely it's going to be more general players who may play some low D one uh, and may be able to make some 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 local deals. Put a little cash in their pocket. What advice yep. would you offer to the to the whole sphere? Yeah, and 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 to be clear, I'm all for it. I think now that the cat's out of the bag, yep. go make your money, right? Oh, go make sure. it happen. And everybody should be able to do that. And I'm glad that that athletes are finally getting an opportunity to make money based upon their popularity. Um, just to clarify, here, here, I, I'm interrupting you, but you just think it yeah. needs to be regulated. You're all for it. Yeah. It just needs to be regulated. It needs to be there needs to be a safe and smart way to do this where kids aren't being taken advantage of. That's exactly right. Just like in professional sports, agents are 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 regulated, right? Agents are yep. have to be have to be licensed. And I think it's the same yep. way in, in the NIL space. Uh, here and, and here's the catch 22. So a kid that's listening to this podcast is going to say, well, I'm not good enough or I'm not popular enough to get representation. And I understand that. And 99% of the people that are listening to this are not going to get representation. Nobody professionally is going to call them because it's not worth it to the professional side to take 10% off a $10,000 deal, right? So, and that's okay. So my advice to them is this, is one is because the cat is out of the bag, <clears throat> definitely be active with your social media, build your social media audience. The more followers you have, the more chance you have to monetize it. And that's the number one thing that these brands are looking at. So one yep. is social media, build that, build that platform. The second thing is act like a professional, even though you're not. So understand that you are a public figure, whether you walk out of your house, out of your school, out of a restaurant, out of a movie, don't walk into a bar. Don't get stuck on caught on the street doing something you shouldn't be doing because you've got to live a clean life. If you're going to go into this game, act like a professional and live your life like a professional and brands will see that they'll respect it and they'll feel more comfortable putting their money behind you. And the last piece is try to regulate it yourself. Think about the areas of activity that you have a passion for. Don't accept a deal that you don't have any interest in. If you don't drink milk, if you're lactose intolerant, don't do a deal with chocolate milk. Just don't do it. Makes no sense. But if you love going to a local restaurant, if you love driving a certain car, or if you aspire to drive a certain car, you know, if you love going to a local shopping center or arcade or um, some kind of um, theme park, 
write a letter to that manager, write a letter to that owner, explain who you are, attach your, your tape, show your, your social impressions and say, I would love to, to be your spokesperson. And maybe those first deals you do as barter deals where they give you free tickets. They let you in for free. They give you free meals for you and your family. And for that, you'll pop some social media for them. Start that way and build it up. You're not going to make millions of dollars to start, but start building yourself a little bit of a foundation be creative in your own execution, and then things will happen. Just be patient. And I think if you follow those three steps, you'll be successful. Man, Jared, that's awesome advice. I, I hope uh, listeners have, have made it here to the end of the podcast to hear that. Um, there's been awesome information. I feel genuinely much more enlightened on on the space and, and uh, the possibilities of it. And and uh, I realized there's maybe a little uh, smaller is the wrong word, but there's just less people than I had thought had made deals. Uh, my completely uneducated thought, to be clear. Uh, just no, no, you I- may be you may be right. You're not. You know, it's not uneducated. It's just those that are known and those that we just don't know. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So very enlightening conversation. Um, Jared, I really appreciate you jumping on here today, man. This is a little bit of a different topic for our audience, although it came back to college basketball. We do a lot more of, um, you know, uh, skill related uh, podcasts and really talking the game. So it's cool to kind of uh, take this step back and, and this is a part of the game. Uh, this is the game now, you know, you got to really learn how to play the game. It's more than just what happens, um, inside the line. So Jared, we super appreciate you for our audience out there. If you're listening, uh, check us out. We have plenty more episodes, plenty more content. Give us a follow at proskillsbasketball.com on Instagram and Facebook and at proskillsbball on Twitter. Uh, Jared, do you have anything you would like to plug? Do you have any account, any following, anything you would like to put in here? No, I mean, it, I, if, if anyone's interested in, in, in seeing what we do as a, as a corporation, it's uh, uegworldwide.com is my company. Uh, but I would just like to say I love what you guys do at Pro Skills. I love the way you're handling the game. I love the way that you've taken responsibility in your own hands and, and in your own way have regulated the world of AAU and, and amateur basketball. And it's meaningful to all these kids that are part of your organization. So I've seen what you do. I've seen it in, you know, in live action. And kudos to you guys for continuing to, to put forth that message um, it's, it's the way to move forward in, in amateur basketball. Yeah, no, I, we really appreciate it. And that's the United Entertainment Group uh, that, that Jared is the founder, CEO, and president of. Uh, we'll be sure to have that in the description below. So go check that out. Uh, that's all for today's episode. We'll talk soon.